All right, everyone say good morning. Good morning. Let's uh, let's begin. So first of all, I, I want to begin by thanking Yakov Moshe Noodleman. He's such a good sport. I give him these schedules, and then I change the schedules, and then I rechange the schedules, and he's always um, always very good. All right, so Mir Tzim, he'll be on. He'll be on next week. But uh, as I'm here, I figured I'd hop around and take advantage of the opportunity to do a couple more blot with you. So we're going to pick up last line of Chav Vav Amud Beis. So the Gemara says again. Remember, Amrav Papi Papi says that you are permitted to convert a shul into a base medrash. So the Gemara says, from a base medrash into a shul, that you are not permitted to do. Asr. For Rapapa, Rapapa says, in the name of Rava, Rapapa said the opposite. From a shul to a base medrash, you can't do. But from a base medrash to a shul, you can do. So the Gemara says, Tap of Chavzai. Now, both say, the fundamental dispute seems to be obviously, this is all going in theme with the previous Gemara, which is that you are permitted to go ahead and make changes in things as long as you, excuse me, as long as you are going up a level in Kiddusha. So the fundamental question is, what is a higher level? Now, what, what, are, what are the competing interests? On one hand, a base medrash is used for Talmud Torah. And there is nothing, but Talmud Torah can I get to call them, there's nothing more important than Talmud Torah. So one might say the base medrash has the higher Kiddusha. On the other hand, a base haknesses was usually used as a public gathering place. So because of that, again, it's used for the rabbin. The fact that it's used for the rabbin may endow it with a greater level of kedusha. To which the Gemara says, It would appear to be clear that the halacha follows Rav Papi, that indeed you are permitted to go ahead and... You are permitted to go ahead and transform a shul into a base medrash. Don't remember Yeshua and Levi, because Yeshua and Levi said, base haknesis motulas, also base medrash. Okay. Yeshua and Levi says straight out that you are permitted to go ahead and convert a shul, convert a shul into a base medrash. Shmamina, indeed, learn from this that it would appear to be that it is permissible to convert a shul into a base medrash. Darish bar kafra. And also, just you should know, oh, let's see, Darsh Bar Kafra, Bar Kafra Darsh, and my Siv, what's the meaning of the Pasuk? He's putting over here the Pasuk from Malachim. Pasuk says, Vayistrof has base Hashem, the is base Hamelech, that is called Batei Yushlaim, that is called Bayis Godel Sarof Beish. So it says he burnt the base Hashem, it's talking about again Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the base Hashem, the house of the king, and all the homes of Yerushalayim. So the Gemara says, What does this refer to? The S called Bayis Godel Sarof Beish. So base Hashem, what is base Hashem? That's the base Hamitosh, base Hamelech. Elu Palterin Shal Melech, that's the king's palace. The Es Kolbati Yushalayim, Kimashma'al. And when it says he destroyed all the homes of Jerusalem, that's, and again, Kimashma'al means you will say what? In the way that it sounds like, meaning he destroyed the actual homes of Jerusalem. The S, Siddhi Gemara says, The S Kolbais Golos Saraf Beish, Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Shoban Levi. So we'll say, what does it mean when it says that he burnt every large house in fire? So Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Shoban Levi have a machlokis. Chad Amar Makom Shemagadlin Batora. So one says it refers to a place. What is Bayis Godel? A place where they amplify, where Torah becomes great, which refers to what? A base madrash. The Chad Amar, the other opinion said, no, Makom Shemagadlin Botfila. A place where they become great in prayer. So we'll say, you understand what's happening over here? Fundamental dispute as to what bias Godel refers to. We'll say, what they're really arguing about is what? Really, what is the most important home within the Jewish community, aside from the base Hamikdash? Is it a shul or is it a base madrash? So we'll also understand, it's only contemporarily 
that these two spaces have kind of merged, where very often you see the shul and the base medrash becoming one. So again, clearly, historically, the study hall was separate than the synagogue. Two, two different places. So the shaila is, which is the bayis gadol? Man to Amr Torah, the one who says bayis gadol refers to the base medrash. Tehsev Hashem chafetz laman, sidko yagdil, Torah v'yadir. So you see again, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem chavetz laman sitko. Kadosh Baruch goes out and desires to do good for his people, for his righteousness. Yagdo Torah v'yadir. Torah will be amplified and will be and will be made glorious. So you see over here that the word gadol is used in connection with Torah. Um, and therefore again, bayis gadol must refer to the base medrash. Uman d'amar tefila, the one who says it's tefila. Dechsev saprana hagidolos asher asa elisha. Kasiyabal said the Navi is talking about that the king, the king was speaking to Gechazi and said to Gechazi, tell me about all the great things that Elisha did. And how did Elisha do great things? Elisha did great things through the medium of prayer. So you see again that prayer is associated with Gadol. So it appears that Rabbi Yishuv Levi is the one who said that Bayis Gadol refers to the base Madrash. Because Rabbi Yishuv Levi is on record, as we said on top of Ahmed Alif, that you are permitted to go ahead and convert a shul into a base Madrash. Shmamina, indeed, learn from this. So we'll say, Halocha lemaisa, the Rambam Paskins, that you are indeed permitted to convert a shul into a base medrash, but you would not be permitted to convert a base medrash into a shul. Uh, the, the idea being that the base medrash has the higher level of sanctity, being that Talmud Torah occurs within its walls. Remember again, the Mishnah said that if you sold the Torah, you can't buy Sfar. Remember again, Sfarim in the, in, the, in the Gemara's model are also scrolls. So I can't sell a Sefer Torah, let's say buy a Bereshah scroll or a Shemos scroll. So the Gemara says, This is actually a very interesting Shaila. So listen to this Shaila. Can I go ahead and I have an old Torah. I mean, I guess every Torah is technically an old Torah. If, if somebody wants to tell you a new Torah, I'd be a little bit wary. Right? So again, if somebody has a Torah that was written a long time ago, an old Torah, and I want to go ahead and sell it to purchase the Torah. So now you ask yourself, why would people do this? So it's amazing if you look at Sifrei Torah, that are even not so old, 70 years ago. Sifrei Torah that were written in pre-war Europe versus Sifrei Torah that are written now, it's like night and day. It's like night and day. The parchment is much thicker, was much thicker. It's a much heavier safer. As opposed to, let's say a person says, you know what, I'd like to sell this Torah, and I'd like to be able to purchase uh, a new Torah. So are you permitted to do that? On one hand, on one hand, you could say like this. On one hand, maybe the halacha is you're only permitted to do things in a way of ascending Kedusha. When you sell one safer for another, are you going up a level in Kedusha? No, it's a lateral move. It's a lateral move. So maybe that should be us, sir. On the other hand, pretty much since there's nothing higher than Torah, so maybe a lateral move in this kind of situation is okay. So what's the halacha? So remember, what did the Mishnah say? That if you sell the Sefer Torah, you may not go ahead and use the proceeds to purchase Svarim. So the Gemara is Medayik. Svarim, who delo? So you can't purchase Svarim. Ha Torah, but Torah, shop your dummy. But what could you do? You could purchase another Sefer Torah. 
To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Masnisin di eved ki kami bailan lechat chila. Rabbi say it's interesting. The Gemara answers the Mishnah is dealing with a different case. When it says the, 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 here, it, it doesn't mean di eved. It means bidi avad. The Mishnah's case already is where you sold it already. So the Mishnah's case is where you sold it. I have the money in hand. The Mishnah is telling me what I can or I can't do. So it could very well be that everyone will agree that if I already sold the safer, that I could go ahead and use the proceeds to purchase a new one. But that's not what we're asking. What are we asking? am I permitted to do it? Am I permitted to do it? Tashma. You could wrap a Sefer Torah in the covering normally used for a Chumash. Let's say I have a mantle, I have a cover that's used to cover my Chumash scroll. I can go ahead and use that mantle to cover a Sefer Torah. Chumshin b'mit pachos. Nevi'im. So I could cover a Sefer with the covering of Nevi'im. Uksuvim. Avalo nevi'im uksuvim mit pachos chumshin. But I can't cover a Nach scroll with the mantle, with the cover for a Chumash scroll. V'lo chumshin b'mit pachos Sefer Torah. And I may not cover a Chumash with the mantle, with the covering of a Sefer Torah. Tigmara says, now what do we see about it? Katani mihas, golel in Sefer Torah, be mitpachos chumshin. Mitpachos chumshin in, mitpachos Sefer Torah. So what can I be medai here? I can go ahead and cover a Sefer Torah with the covering of a chumish scroll. But what can't I do? I can't cover one Sefer Torah with what? With the covering, the mantle of another Sefer Torah. So from here is again, it's a diok. So from here you see that you can't make a lateral move in matters of kedusha. To which the Gemara says, "Well, Amos, if I look at the end of that brayso, velo chumshin b'mit pachos Sefer Torah." But yet it says that you may not cover a chumish scroll with a Sefer Torah cover. Ha. Torah b'Torah, Shapir Dami, but it would appear that to cover one Torah with another Torah's mantle would be okay. So rather, the truth is, you can't infer anything from that price. That's the real truth. You can't infer anything. But fine, so we're back to square one. Tashma, many of us just it's interesting because so many like halachos that we are familiar with all come from this. Listen to this. Tashma, manichin sefer Torah gabi Torah, v'Torah gabi chumshin, v'chumshin gabi neviim. You can place one sefer Torah on top of another sefer Torah. You can place a Torah on top of a chumish. And you understand, of course, I'm not going to qualify it anymore, but whenever we say chumish or neviim, we're talking now scroll form. They're obviously not using uh, book form, right? So scroll form. Well, I should say, they, they, they're, they're using scroll form here. But you can't place a nach on top of a chumash. And you may not place a chumash on top of a Torah. Torah will say, what do you see from here? You see from here that you're permitted to place one safer Torah on top of another, which would seem to indicate what? That lamaisa in matters of Kedusha, as, as, when you're on the top level of Kedusha, it is okay to make a lateral move. In which case we would assume that lamaisa that would translate into what? That I can, I can sell one Sefer Torah and use the proceeds to purchase another. To which the Gemara says, Hanachik Amrit, you're bringing a raya from placement. That's not a good raya. Shiny Hanacha Dol Efsher. We'll say situations of placement are a different parasha because sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes you have to pile things. So if you have to pile things, okay, you could put one safer on top of another. Because if you don't say this, Heichi Michrach. How would you ever be able to, how would you ever be permitted to roll the Sefer Torah? After all, we'll say, what happens when you roll the Sefer? One piece of parchment does what? Rests on top of the other. So the Gemara says, But rather, again, obviously, there are certain things that you don't have any choice, so you do it. 
So it's an important yisod in life also. Sometimes the question doesn't come up because it just has to be done. So you have no choice but to put a safer on top of a safer. Hachanami, Kevin Dolaf Shasan is in matters of storage. You have to stack things. Therefore, Shari. Therefore, we'll say it's permitted. But again, you can't bring a raya from this necessarily to our original question. Tashma. So we're back to square one. So the Amr Rabbi Barbachana, Amr Rabbi Yochan, Mishra Mishim Gamliel, Lo Yim Kar Adam Sefer Tariyashan, Likach Bochadash. Okay. I say it's always interesting. You know, we're we are we are running all over the place to try to figure out this question, and here we have an explicit brisa. Rabbi Barbachana says, "Rabbi Yochanan, you may not sell an old sefer Torah to purchase a new one." Doesn't get more explicit than that. To which the Gemara says, "No, no, no." Hasam mishum Here's the difference in that case. What Rabbi Barbachana was concerned about was what is what's going to happen. You're going to sell the sefer, and then what? You saw the what? You're gonna see. Wow, look at that! You know, four days in Cancun for such a. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you, you know what happens. You know, when you, when you have the money in hand, suddenly all other kinds of projects come up that you may have to go ahead and take care of. Right? We want to get a new coffee urn, and coffee urn is great. But I'm saying, you know, I can't say cappuccino, a cappuccino maker or something. You know, so so the idea over there is, is because of pshius, the pshio. There were concerns about negligence in that kind of situation. To which the Gemara says, "Hasamishum ki kamrinon." What's our case? What's our question? Ki gom dikasiv umanach lefruke. I will say. So what's our case? Our case over here is that brand new, that brand new Sefer Torah is mamish sitting right on the surface table. It is ready to go. So meaning, I'm talking about a situation where there's going to be no lag time between the selling of the old one and an immediate use of the funds to buy a new one. So there's no concern of pshia, of negligence in that case. That's what I want to know. My, what's the aloha in that case? Tashma. So we'll say, again, we still haven't answered it. Tashma, you're you are not permitted to sell a Sefer Torah except in the following circumstances. Elo, lil motora. Meaning I both say, let's say, halokha lemaisa, I'm a Talmud Chacham, and I want to go ahead, let's say, I, I'm a, I, I want to, or I want to become a Talmud Chacham, and I, I need to sit and learn. But to both say, you know, again, <laughs> the automatic assumption is that if somebody is going to sit and learn, they have to find a way to support themselves. Right? That, that is the Gemara's default position. You need, okay, you want to sit and learn, Wonderful. You need to figure out how you're going to make that work. So what happens is I have a Sefer Torah. I'm going to sell my Sefer Torah, and I'm going to use those proceeds to allow me to sit and learn. So the Gemara says, I'm permitted to do that. I'm permitted to do that. Velisa Isha, get married. Get married. Which also, what does that mean to get married? Literally means I'm going to sell my Sefer Torah to pay for my wedding. To pay for my wedding. I'm permitted to do that. And interestingly enough, the fact that I could sell my Torah to go ahead and support me while I'm sitting and learning indicates that what? That the Gemara assumes that what that means is you could sell one Torah for another. Because in essence, that's what I'm doing. I'm selling a Torah in order to be able to sit and learn Torah. So you see from here what? That you're permitted to sell, quote unquote, an old safer in order to go ahead and purchase a new safer. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. This is your voice. It's such a profound Gemara. Dilma shiny limud. Maybe learning Torah is different. Why? Shahalimud maybe lide maisa. And both say this is amazing. Maybe the difference is like this. I am permitted to go ahead and sell a safer Torah. Why? Because learning, learning is even more important than the safer itself. Why? Because the learning enables me to do. 
such a profound yisod. The learning enables me. The limud is maybe lidei ma'isa. So in essence, really, when I sell a sefer Torah to sit and learn, Rabbi will say, what am I doing? I'm actually going up a level. Because the sefer Torah itself is what? Is limud Torah, is Talmud Torah. But the sitting and learning, hopefully, is not just sitting and learning for learning's sake, but it's sitting and learning so that I know what to do, I know how to act, I know how to serve, I can contribute even more. So therefore, again, I give it considered to be selling it for a higher level. But for just a lateral move, an old safer to a new safer, maybe not. Similarly, Ishanami, I'm permitted to sell a safer to get married. Why? Because mostly what happens when I get married? I'm going to start a family. And what am I doing? So it means I'm contributing to the world around me. So then it's such a profound yisod. So the notion of selling a Torah that will, that will then enable me to contribute something back to society, to the world, that's a higher use of that Torah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that what? That I could sell, that I could go ahead and sell an old Sefer in order to purchase a new one. Aval Torah, but Torah low. But to go ahead and sell one Torah for another Torah, that is not permitted. That we do not sell one Sefer Torah for another. We do not sell one Sefer Torah for another. Halacha so the Gemara says, again, also, there are always exceptions to all of these rules, but as a general clown. So the Gemara says, yes, sir, okay, listen to this. Let's say again, let's say the shul has uh, 10 Sefer Torah. We don't need to say 10 Sefer Torah, but you know what, we could actually, we could really go ahead and use the money, use the money. So you can't go ahead and sell a Sefer even if you don't need it, even if you don't need it. I'm sorry? You can sell it, correct. So that, that I could go ahead and sell it to another shul. It's talking about over here that selling it and using and the proceeds for, the, for me. So I mean, what the Gemara's Havamina is, is that I might have thought that Lemaisa, I might have thought that Lemaisa, the only time I can sell it is, is when I need it. But if I really don't need it because my Torah needs are met, you still can't do it. Yes, okay, Rabbi Shabbat Gamliel, Rabbi said, I listen to this, I feel lo ma yochal. Well, said, even if you have nothing to eat, Umachar sefer Torah obito, ainot roen simen rachaliyon. We'll say it's very profound. The Gemara says that sometimes people are in states of desperation. So a state of desperation, just understand, the people, there are certain things you're going to do that are never going to work out well for you. Meaning, number one, is selling a Sefer Torah. The notion of selling a Sefer Torah, right, it's because even if you don't have anything to eat, it's not going to work out well. You won't see bracha from that. And the other example the Gemara gives is what? Selling one's daughter as a maidservant. Also, the Torah makes an allowance for this, that a father is permitted to go ahead and sell his daughter as a maidservant. Technically, it, it's allowed to. The Gemara already says, just telling you, bad idea. Bad idea. Even though technically you can do it, you won't see bracha from such an endeavor. Gemara goes weiter. Now we're going to get into a very interesting discussion. So the Mishnah said that if you sell something, if you sell an item, an item of Kiddusha, so remember again, you, so the, the cloud the Mishnah said is you have to use the proceeds for something higher, of higher Kiddusha. And that's just the Gemara also means any leftover funds. So what it sounds like it's saying is, well, let's say I sold my Chumash scrolls. And I sold my Chumash scrolls for uh, $35,000. And I can get a brand new Sefer Torah for $5,000. So the, the Mishnah seems to teach me that what? The entire amount of $35,000 
is all sanctified. So meaning, even though now I have $5,000 left over after the purchase of the Sefer Torah, that leftover amount is still governed by that heightened level of Kedusha. So this is what I'll say. That's only true assuming what? That they sold the items and then there was leftover monies. Right? They, they, then they purchased the item of higher Kedusha and there were leftover monies. But listen to this. Let's say, this is very important because this is a din in Tzedakah. Let's say I collected money for a Sefer Torah. We did a Sefer Torah drive and what happened? Sefer Torah cost $30,000 and what? We raised $40,000. So what's the status of that extra 10? So now the Gemara says, But if you collect it and there's leftover monies, and I will say, what, what, what does mutter mean? Rashi says, So we, we collected money for a Sefer Torah from the Tzibor and we purchased the Torah. And now I went ahead and there's leftover money. Mutter lo horidon. Shahari adayin lo ba'lu shimish kudush chamur. I'll say what is this? very important. Very important clout in fundraising, in tzedakah, which is that now I needed $30,000 for the safer. I have an extra 10. What can I use the 10 for? What is the 10 for? Anything we need. I was going to say anything I want, but that doesn't sound yeah, right. Yeah. Right now, not anything I want. Right? Anything that's obviously it's most hectic. It belongs to the Tzibar. It belongs to Tztaka. But I need not use it for a safer. So if I want to choose to go ahead and pay the Shul BGE bill with it, I want to choose to put in a new air conditioning unit. I want to choose to put in new chandeliers, new seats, new whatever. I, the, when I say I, I mean the Gabai Tzedakah, whoever's administering the funds, has that right. So very important you sold. So when do we say that all monies have the kedusha of the item that was sold, that's only when there was an actual sale. But if there's a collection, and the collection surpassed that which we need to buy the item of kedusha, the additional funds are not to have that heightened level of kedusha, but rather it can be used for anything else. That's the, Mishkan was there. Correct. Mishkan was a different situation also. Moshe said he had enough. And not only that, miraculously, when he said he had enough, there was even more than they needed. Correct. The Mishkan was a different. You saw that Moshe Abinu wanted everyone's money to go directly into the Mishkan. See, he was operating on a different, different structure, a different set of instructions. But by regular tzedakah collections, Again, we're not saying that's halacha lemaisi yet. This is what's being this is what's being put forward. said When is this true? This is only true in what? When they did not make a condition. Aval hisnu, aval hisnu But if they made the collection, or they or, or I should say, well, we'll, 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 we won't define right now. But if they made a condition, then you could even use the money for duchsosia. We'll see what duchsosia means. So says, what are you talking about? Hechi dami. What's the case? If we're talking about a case of, let's say, where you sold chumashim, okay, and now, there's, and now you're going to use the money to purchase a Sefer Torah, and there's leftover monies, ki hosnu my havi. Who cares what you stipulated or what you didn't stipulate? We just established that what? That lamay, so whenever there is a sale, all of the monies of that sale have the heightened level of kidusha. Rather, it must be a case of where we've taken up a collection. And the only reason you could use the additional funds for something else is because they made a tenai. But apparently, if they didn't make a tenai, you would not be permitted to. So we'll say, so we don't understand how, we don't understand how to understand the statement. Which is not What's the case? The case over here is where they sold the chumashim and there's leftover monies that they don't need to purchase Sefer Torah. This is what it means to say. Rebbe say, when do we say that lemaisa? 
if they went ahead and they sold the Chumashim, that all of the proceeds of that sale are governed, are, are considered to be Kodesh, and that they all must be used for a higher purpose. That's only if what? The seven elders of the city did not make an explicit stipulation in front of the members of the city. Aval, hisnu shiva But I will say, if the seven elders of the city stipulated this in the presence of the members of the city, they could even use the monies for dechsusia. So we'll say, before we get into what dechsusia is, which the Gemara will define in just a moment, so we'll say, what's interesting about this is the following. What the Gemara is suggesting now is like this. Everyone's going to agree that when you do a fundraiser and you're fundraising for X and you need a certain amount of money for X, once you hit that amount, surplus funds can be used for any other seaboard need. However, again, when you sell when you sell, so the assumption is now this time when you sell an object of Kiddusha, the proceeds of that sale are governed by the heightened level of Kiddusha, are governed by the heightened level of Kiddusha, and therefore all the monies must be used for that additional Kiddusha amount. However, if the, we'll call it the leaders of the city, stipulate that when it comes to this sale, the community or the leaders of the community should have the right as to how to use the surplus funds of that sale, then the leaders of the community, with the agreement of the community, have the right to make that stipulation. So the goes right. So Abaye said to one of the rabbis, who was arranging the Mishnahis of Adar Rav Sheshes, Mishmi Yudachamei Rav Sheshes, my Duchsusya. Have you ever heard, what is the meaning of this word, Duchsusya? Right, so the, the Gemara said just before, that if, if again, if the, if the elders of the city stipulate this in front of the residents of the city, they could use the money even for Duchsusya. What is Duchsusya? Armali Ha'ach, Yom Rav Sheshes, Parsha de Masa. So we'll say Parsha de Masa means a courier. Duchsusya means a courier, that meaning that if the elders of the city stipulate in the presence of the residents of the city that they could even use the surplus funds to pay for a town courier. I guess sometimes Rashi explains some towns used to like to have a guy, a guy on call, so should they need to send word to the king or to the governor or to someone, that somebody would be ready to ride on a moment's notice. You could even use money like that. Again, we'll say it has to be used somehow for some type of communal infrastructure, but even for Duchsusya. So this is interesting. Amra Baye Baye said, Hilchach. So what do you see from here? If you're if, if a Tam Tchacham hears a word that he does not understand, just ask someone who hangs out with rabbis a lot. Because what's going to happen? Again, essentially, if you hang out with smart people, you hang out with Hamidi Chachamim, so the truth is you pick up a lot of stuff even just through osmosis, even just by being around. The converse is also true, of course. So the Gemara says again, Rabbi Amar. So the Gemara, excuse me, I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Mishnah Rabbi Meir. Bnei Ha'ir, I'll say another. These are fascinating halachos. Bnei Ha'ir shaholchol li'ir acheres upaskali in tzedaka. But I'll say, listen to this. Let's say you have members of one city who go to another city. So you went to another city. When, and when they were in that other city, I will say, we don't have this really today. But in the in the in the era of organized communal structures. There were tzedakah taxes. So a community would impose a tzedakah tax on its constituents. And again, remember, they also had the powers of enforceability. So they would impose the tax. So let's say now, let's say, let's say we all decide we're going to, we're going on, a, we're going to finish Pesach. Monday. I'm sorry? I would have tax. Is it tax? But, but that's willing. I'm saying that, that I still have, Rabbi Hanneman can't force me. I don't think so. So the idea is you know, I still have to willingly give that. I'm talking about an idea of, of a tax that is levied upon the residents. 
So we'll say again. So now listen to this. So listen to this. So now it's fascinating over here. Let's say again, we go as a group. We live in Baltimore. We decide to go to another city. And while we're there, again, they happen to be taxing the residents of the city to duck attacks. What's that law? It's very interesting. So no sin. I will say, if, you are, if we are there at the city at the time where the tax is being levied, we have to pay. We have to pay, but yet, yeah, listen to this. But when we leave the city, it's like at the airport, right? They refund the VAT, right? right? What happens? So when I, but when I leave, they give me back my money. The tzedakah the, 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 the gives me back my money. But obviously now, I have to use that money for tzedakah purposes, but I can use it to feed the poor of my city. Well, so understand what's happening over here. What's happening over here is like this, is that essentially, if I am in a city and there's a tzedakah collection going on, it is inappropriate not to go ahead and participate. It doesn't look right if I don't participate. On the other hand, I'm not a resident of this city. Therefore, again, I don't really have responsibility for this city. I have greater responsibility for what? For the poor of my city. So I have to give for the appearance sake of giving. But when I leave, when I leave, they give me back my money. But again, that is tzedakah money, but I'm permitted to spend it. I'm not permitted. I have to spend it on the poor of my city. We'll say, now, there are other qualifications to this. This is talking about we're only visiting. If somebody obviously is relocating, then Lamai said they become like the residents of the city. So the Gemara says, If you have residents of one city, they went to another city. And in the new city, so they're doing a tzedakah drive, there's tzedakah being levied upon the residents. But, excuse me, nostin. So the visitors have to give. But when they return to their original city, they are refunded their tzedakah money and they use those funds in their original, in, in, their, in their home city. However, that's talking about a group, if you notice. If an individual, however, goes to another city, and what happens? So I go on vacation, and what happens? I go to another city, and while I'm there, they go ahead and they impose a tzedakah tax. So, okay, I'm there. I have to pay it. I have to pay. You can't be Polish minatsi borabosai. You have to go, you have to, you know, when in Rome, you have to, you have to contribute like the residents of the city. Listen to this. So, Tinan, so I have to, Tinasin, I have to give them. So, excuse me. Tinasin la'anie osayir. Listen to this. If I'm an individual, however, I pay, and what? It does not get refunded. I pay, and bless you, and that money goes to the residents of that city. Why, Rabbos, bless you? Because again, as a yachid, as an individual, so I am subsumed. I'm, I, I come under the umbrella of the rabbim. If we're there as a group, and therefore we maintain our identity as a group from another city, then the maisa we give, because you have to participate, but the money is refunded to give in our city. But if I'm a yachid, I essentially become like one of the residents of the city, and I have to give, and my money does not get refunded. Rav Huna, Rabbos, and always tell a story. Rav Huna goes to Tanisa. Rav Huna decreed a fast day. Let's assume for a moment because of rain. So who lived, I guess, in a neighboring city, came along with all of his other city members. So what happens? Ramu So as it was a fast day, Rav Huna decreed that everybody who was gathered for the tefillah should go ahead and give tzedakah. Viyavu, and again, Rav Chana Bar and all the people who came with him from his city gave tzedakah because that's talacha. But kibol say when they were ready to go back home, Amrul, they said to Rav Huna, no sva lon mar venezel venefarnes ba'ani emasyon. They said to Rav Huna, listen, give us back our money, let us go home, and we're going to use the money to support the poor of our city. Amrul, so Rav Huna said, well, one second, Tanina, we learned, what is that true, that if that you have to refund the money to a group that's visiting? Pishain sham chaver ir. 
That's only what Rabosai. That's only talking about that in this city that they're that they're visiting, there's not a Chavir Rabosai. What does Chavir mean? Rashi says, Tamit Chacham Hamis Asik Bitsarchi Tzibor. We're Tamit Chacham who occupies himself with the needs of the community. Aval Yeish Sham Chavir Ir. But if there is a Chavir Ir there, Tinas in the Chavir Ir, then the group does not get their money refunded back, but the money is administered by the Chavir Ir. The Koshikain, and Rav Khanabar Khaniloy said, excuse me, Rav Huna said, and all the more so with the poor of your city and the poor of my city depend on me. Bless you. What was happening over here is Rav Huna essentially said to Rav, to Rav Chana Bar Chaniloi, Rav Chana Bar Chaniloi, am I saying that right? Yeah, Rav Chana Bar Chaniloi, that's what? I'm not refunding your money. You know why? Because I administer the tzedakah needs of all of the surrounding cities. Therefore, the Maisa, because your Aniyim are dependent on me and my Aniyim are dependent on me, I have the right to hold on to these funds and ultimately use them for the poor of both of our cities. Does okay? Does it say that again? So it has to, the giver gives something, but the person that's holding the money gives it back to that is correct. Yes, yes. It had that, and that's Tafka the Gemara is setting it up. That again, because Rav Huna took care of the poor, of not just his town, but of Chanabar Chanilo'i's town, therefore, again, what the Gemara is essentially saying is there's no need to transfer the money back because the money is going to be used for the poor of that other town as well. That is correct. Correct. Says the Mishnah. Very profound you saw it as well. You can't take something that belongs to the general populace and sell it to an individual. Why? Because essentially you're going ahead and you are lessening its kedusha. These are the words of Rabbi Meir. Amar lo, imkain, so they said, so, so they said to Rabbi Meir, the Rabbanah said to Rabbi Meir, imkain, so we'll say again, what the Gemara seems to be saying over here is you can't take something that is used for the rabbim and go ahead and sell it to a yachid because essentially by doing that, you are lessening its holiness. Uh, so the Rabbana says to Meryl, if that's the case, you shouldn't take something that belonged to a small city, a large city, and be able to sell it to a small city because you're also taking it down from its kedusha. So the Gemara says, Shap your kamerli Rabbana Rabbi Meir. The rabbis are saying good to Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir will say what? Meir gedol li'er ketana me'ikara kadisha hashtanami kadisha. So Rabbi Meir will say this. It's not true. I will say, an ir gadol ir katan. The idea is what? It's not a numbers game. What is it? It's a rabbim versus yachid. So when you ask something that belongs to the rabbim, whether the rabbim is of uh, 10,000 people or the rabbim is 50,000 people, it doesn't make a difference. It's a rabbim. And therefore, to sell something from a small, a large city to a small city, that's not, a, that's not diminishing its kedusha. The only problem is when you take something that belongs to the public and you sell it to an individual. However, again, however, kedusha may rabbim yachid like a kedusha. For the rabbim say no. If you're really going to be so concerned with this, then what? So, you should also be concerned with selling something from a large town to a small town. Why? Because it's not true. There is a concept that numbers themselves do make a difference because we know the greater the assembly, the greater the sanctification of God's name. Therefore, the Rabbanon argue and and they say, no, it can't be. You should be able to take something that belongs to the general public and sell it to an individual. On that same theme, will say this is very interesting. You can't sell a shul, or I should say differently, you have to sell a shul with a condition. Also, whenever you sell a shul, it's with a condition. What's the condition? It's very interesting. Shemirtsu Yachziruhu. Listen to this. Shemirtsu, whenever you sell a shul, you always have to sell a shul with the condition that if the sellers want to renege, they have the ability to renege. 
Okay, they have the ability to renege. Rashi says over here the following: Rabbi Meir says like this: He holds that to sell a shul, a permanent sale, that's a lack of covet to the shul. Therefore, every single shul that is sold must always have a reversal clause. You must always have the ability to cancel. So obviously, if you cancel the sale, you have to return. You have to return the the pro, the. the um, Money, thank you. <laughs> the money, right? You gotta return the money back to back to the back to the back to the purchaser. So the idea is that every single sale always has a, a, a cancelability clause, a void clause. So the Gemara says, "Do you remember?" We'll say again. No, Rabbi Meir is not saying it because the person is going to use it. Rabbi Meir is saying it's just a bakavadik way. If you have to sell a shul, that's just a bakavadik way to sell it. Yeah, more so correct. Now again, it's a legal clause, so technically speaking, you could pull the trigger on it. But Lamaya said it's not done because you're actually going to use it. It's done to show that 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 I don't really want to engage in this sale, but I'm doing it because it has to be done. The Chum the Chum say say no. You can sell a shul in a permanent fashion. Also, there are four things, however, that you can't sell the shul for. What are those four things? Lemerchatz, a bathhouse, borsekia, tannery, tvila, a mikvah, beisamayim, a laundry. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, and also those are all considered to be uses that are not bakavadik. Rabbi Huda says, mochran osan l'shem chatzar, v'alakech Rabbi Huda has a very interesting approach. Rabbi Huda says, listen, when you're selling something, Rabbi Huda, you can't start getting into what the purchaser is going to use it for, because sometimes if you're selling a structure, you need the money. You need the money. So Rabbi Huda says, you know what? I'm selling it. When I sell the shul, I sell it as a chutzar. You, you, I'm selling it just to be used as a, as a courtyard. And I don't ask. Essentially, I don't ask, don't tell policy. I'm not asking what you're doing with it. I'm not asking how you're going to use it. I'm selling it l'shem chutzar. That's it. Well, Rabbi Mayer. So, so that's, again, we don't obviously want to, the is not passing like that. That was Rabbi Meir. We're not passing like Rabbi Meir. So the Gemara goes right there. Rabbi Meir, hechi dariba. So Moshe has an interesting question. Now the Gemara says like this. According to Rabbi Meir, who says that every single sale of a shul has to have a voidability clause, so you get into a problem of ribis. Both say, of interest. What's going to be the problem? So let, let's play this out. So let's say again, I, I, let's say I'm the president of the shul. So I'm selling the shul to Ruvain. So now again, I sell the shul for $100,000. Ruvain's, Ruvain's doing whatever he is doing it. Then I decide a month later, you know what? I miss my shul. I void the, I void the contract. I give him back his money. What's the problem? The problem now is I give him back his money. He's been, whatever he's in, let's say he's been living in that shul for the last month, which now means what they're both saying. He has received additional benefit above and beyond the money that he gave me. That's called interest. That's called interest. So how can you go ahead? How can you go ahead and have such a transaction like this if there's this? Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Meir, Bishitas, Rabbi Yehuda. Amra. Rabbi Meir holds like Rabbi Huda. The Amr Tzad Echa Baribis was Rabbi Say, again, because of time, we'll just have to do this quickly. There's a concept called Tzad Echa Baribis. Tzad Echa Baribis means, normally, Tzad Echa Baribis means that you have a transaction that doesn't automatically end up being an interest problem. You could have a transaction where only if the transaction goes down one way will there be an interest problem, but if it goes down a different way, there's no interest problem. So for example, if Ruvain buys the shul, technically speaking, there is no interest involved with that. The only time the interest problem comes up is when, is if I choose to void the sale. Then that triggers a potential ribis issue. That's called tzad echad beribis. A one or, or a one side of a ribis, it doesn't translate well in the English, literally a possibility, yeah, ah, a transaction that has a possibility of ribis, but doesn't necessarily 
absolutely result in ribis. So Rabbi Huda holds that Sarech, what we call Sarech HaMe Rebis, is Mutter Tisanya Harishaya No Shebechavira Mana. I was listening to this case. If I lent my friend Mana, I lent my friend uh, Amana, I lent him $1,000. V'asalo Sadeo Mecher. And what happens? My friend, so I lent Ruvain $1,000, and Ruvain gave me his field. His Asalo Sadeo Mecher, meaning that Ruvain essentially went ahead and gave me his field as a collateral that in the event that I can't go ahead and, the event that I can't go ahead and repay it, and it really literally means he gave it to me as a sale. He gave it to me as a sale. What it means is he gave it to me in the event that he can't pay up. So both say, as long as the seller, Ruvain, is eating the fruit of the field, as long as the, as long as the original owner is the one who's reaping the benefit of the fruits, the transaction is mutter. But say, what happens? If I, the lender, am eating the fruits of the field, that's usr. Both say, why is that usr? Because my said, that's ribis. Because now I'm getting something additional. Not only, not only am I getting the field, but I'm also getting the fruit. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, no, no, I feel lokech o peros mutter. Rabbi Huda says, it's not true, even if, even if the purchaser, in this case, the purchaser is the lender, it's me, is eating the fruit, it's okay. So what, Rabbi will say, what's the logic behind that? Because it would appear to be that this is, again, sad echad beribis. It may or may not be interest. Because if it turns out that Lamaisa Ruvain does not go, if, if it turns out that Ruvain does pay me back, then you're right, then eating the fruit is ribis. But if it turns out that Ruvain never paid me back, then what? Then the land was mine the whole time, in which case, whose fruit was I eating? I was eating my fruit. So that's called, again, sad echad beribis. The transaction doesn't definitively result in interest, but there's a possibility of interest. And again, Rabbi Huda says, there was once an episode Baitos Benzonon, who did this. He borrowed money. He borrowed money from someone. One. He borrowed money from a creditor. He gave his field over to a creditor, and he did this with the instruction of Elizabeth Azariah. And who was eating the fruit of the field? It was the creditor. So again, what do you see? So the Gemara we can't bring a raya from there. First of all, Mocher so Al you got your facts wrong, right? First of all, it wasn't it wasn't the creditor who was eating the fruit, but rather who was it? It was the actual owner of the field, i.e., the borrower who was eating the fruit. Therefore, there's no ribishaila in that. So the Gemara says, "My benayah." We're both saying, "What are they arguing about?" What they're arguing about is, again, this transaction that will not definitively result in ribis, but could result in ribis. One opinion holds, So we'll say, this seems to be what they're arguing about. Again, we'll say, and this all goes back to the Mishnah. So if you have this voidability clause in the, in the contract of sell for the shul, that could result in ribis. So do we say that a transaction that could result in ribis is us or not? That seems to be the machlokas. Rava Amr says no. Kuli Amr Sad Echad Beribis Asa. Natural will say everyone agrees that Sad Echad Beribis. That any transaction that even has the possibility of ribis is going to be aser. I will say here. You know what they're arguing about? I will say they're arguing about is what is the halacha of a, of a transaction that results in ribis, but the ribis will be returned. Was, you know, we'll say, meaning, let's say you have a case, like let's say in this case, so let's say now I, avoid the, I, I, I sell the shul to Ruvain. Ruvain knows I have a voidability clause. I void it. I void it. I void it a month in. So what's going to happen now? What does Ruvain know he's going to have to do? Not only, so I'm going to refund the money to Ruvain. And what is Ruvain going to have to do? He's going to have to give me rent for the last month of the shul. So I'll say that's, so again, did, 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 I, did I effectively, did, he, did, I, did the transaction effectively result in ribis? Did it result in ribis? Yes, but he's going to pay back the ribis. So this is interesting, Shiloh. Are you permitted to structure a ribis transaction knowing full well that what? That the ribis will be returned. So the Gemara says, 
So one opinion holds that ribis amenas lahachsir is mutter. Umar savar. So one says again as a transaction, as long as you know from the uh, from from the from the beginning of it that you're going to return the ribis. So one says such a transaction is mutter. Umar savar. The other opinion holds that such a transaction is aser. Alright, so I have to stop over here. I don't even have to say it. I don't even have to say it. All right, the Yerat Hashem, 5.45 tomorrow.